0: John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. We're here today to talk about a subject we've touched on before lots of times, but I thought limiting beliefs is a good one this time because there's a lot of real estate agents there that have created a new belief structure, and that is the market's too hard. But, John, Troy, um, and I know, John, you've loved this subject. It's a subject that you've written about in most of the books that you've done on personal development, and that is that the story that you believe totally affects your um, altitude in life, your attitude mm-hmm. affects. So I want to I talk about the concept of limiting beliefs. I want to talk about what are the most common limiting beliefs in real estate. And then the third thing I want to do, guys, is I want to talk about is, are there any tactics... ...that you can use. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you know what, I might be someone that actually has got a limiting belief. Are there anything you can do to overcome it?
1: Well, we all have them. Everyone listening to this has limiting beliefs. The only thing is true. Some people have more than others. And some people have those that are absolutely stopping them from achieving anything worthwhile. So the definition, firstly, is, I guess, it's a story you have about the world or your life or your situation that is holding you back from moving on, progressing through that and achieving more success. And it's actually nothing but a story. So, you know, as you said there in the intro, Tom, I mean, whether it's you think, oh, well, okay, all the best days are behind us, the real estate market for the next few years in whatever area you're in is gonna be tough. Or whether it's, you know, well, I've only just started in real estate and all my friends have told me the first three years is just to build a platform and if you survive, you're lucky. Whatever it is, it's a story that you've inherited or you've developed in your own mind that is probably holding you back. So it's interesting. We we have a guy called Brian Whiteman up in uh, Tukling, um, just north of Terrigal, average price 600000 Brian, in his first year of real estate, cracked over $1.5 million. First year of real estate, not with McGrath. Full stop real estate. So I, I, I share that with all our newcomers to the industry because that's far more empowering story than someone sitting there and saying, well, Tom you got to realise this is a long industry and the first few years, if you survive, you're lucky, which is another story versus Brian got into it and he did over one and a half million. That's kind of a different story. Both, both true, by the way. Some people do struggle for years. Other people, like, crack it up front. But the, what you think about the industry and you think about the situation um, has a huge bearing on it. So I, I think it's really important. The, the better conversation maybe, because I think most people get the picture and what we're talking about is how do you replace limiting beliefs with empowering beliefs. Is it possible? Yeah, I think you can do a bang like that if you can.
0: John, you got a great 20,000 view on real estate, particularly with the people that you employ in those 75 offices around the country. Give me three or four self-limiting beliefs that you occasionally hear and you say to yourself, I wish they didn't believe that. What are
1: some of the ones that come up in in real estate? One of the most common I've just touched on, you know, I've just, how are you going, Tom, in your business? Well, you know, John, not going that well, but I've really, you know, I haven't been in it for long. How long have you been in it? Oh, 18 months. So kind of like, when is long? When is not long? The answer is you started 18 months ago. After your first week, you're in the industry. um, And yet people use the fact that, they think in their mind a reasonable excuse is I haven't been in it for long. Right. So then I tell them the Brian Whiteman story, or, or whoever else, Kirsten Mueller. I mean, we have a whole you know array of people that have done brilliantly in their first year in the industry. Um, so I think that would be one. A- another one also we touched upon, and you said in your intro, Tom, is you know, oh, you know, the market's tough. And I look at them, and then I go to Core Logic, and I look at my phone, or I just happen to know the information. I you you know, can't be that tough because Troy Malcolm's just sold 74 properties in the last 12 months in the same market as you. And then, so, you know, it, it's about what's possible and what's the state of the market or the economy. You know, the state of the economy is irrelevant. Because yeah. people are buying or selling, no matter whether the market's going up, down or sideways, people are still buying or selling. Now, sure, statistically, you might be right, in in, a, in one market, maybe there's... 600 homes in your area that sell. In a different market, maybe there's 480. But the yes. answer is at 480, you can still sell 100, which would be world best. Yeah. You just need to shift up to 20, 22% market share or whatever it could be. So being new, the market's hard. Um, um, Vendor paid marketing doesn't work in does does our it, area. Our, our, uh, auctions yeah. don't work. Auctions. You know, this is not an auction area. Um, you know, again, look, oh, I don't think there's a an auction suburb or property or street or area. I think that... You have to sit down and talk to people around what do they want to achieve and what are the various options. And you can create auction markets. You can create vendor paid marketing. You can create any of that if you have the right approach and the right story. So you have to have all the tools okay, in the toolbox. Okay,
0: so, so, so let's move on. Our listeners don't have the ability to have right now in front of them a one-on-one coach session with you, John. But hypothetically speaking, let's assume they did. How would John McGrath sit with someone and begin the process of helping change that story or change that limiting the First thing I
1: would say is, Tom, whatever you did last year, triple that number in your mind and tell me why you didn't achieve the second number. So you did 200000 last year. Why didn't you do $600,000? let us have that conversation. Likelihood is whatever you write down or would say to me if we're in, in person to person, whatever you write down at that point if you're on a pad is likely to be a limiting belief. Well, you know, like, it's very stressful, this industry, and I'm already at, at, the, uh, at the end of my relationship. I'm having uh, challenges in my relationship because I'm not at home enough already, and you want me to triple my revenue. And I'm saying, no, no, I want you to triple your revenue and work half the time. So that's a good exercise. What you're saying is write the reasons down. Yeah. Okay. Well, Why are you not doing better? Yeah. Let's jot them down. Let's get them all on the pad. Yeah. Maybe there's one, maybe there's 20. Just sit down until you've got no more reasons. And and then you'll find that, um, if you start looking at most of those reasons and start asking yourself, is that true? Oh, the market's tough. Is that really true? Oh yeah, it's true. No, no, it's not true because there was 480 sales last year. That means 480 people signed a deposit check and moved into a property and 480 sold signs went up. My question is how many of them were yours or had your name under it? So I think it's really critical to get those out. And then now, by the way, this is better done with a peer or a coach or a sales manager or principal because you kind of build the banter up and, and but you can do it by yourself, you can operate on yourself in this instance. So I think you do that and then you actually just accept for the minute, for this exercise, suspend your disbelief and accept that nothing on that page is real yeah. other than that to which you make it real. Yeah. The market's not good or bad, it's the market. There's 480 properties sell, how many did you sell? Um, it's not advantageous or disadvantageous to be in the industry 30 years. It depends what you make of that experience. It's not disadvantaged to you to be in the market only six months, because you bring fresh thinking and a whole new approach and a whole new energy and new business energy. And So none of the stuff on the page is gonna be real, but then you actually start shifting them to empowering beliefs, because what they are is limiting. So you know, rather than, oh, well, I, I'm not, I didn't do 600 because it was my first year in the industry. Start shifting that too. What an advantage it is to be in the industry a short period of time. To have fresh energy as opposed to people that have been in the industry for 20, 34 years. Um, have a whole fresh new perspective. Uh, it's much easier to innovate when you're not getting rid of any bad habits. And start building a case for your limiting beliefs are actually empowering beliefs. I,
0: I love what you said there. Start building a case. Create, Find evidence to support That new belief. Mm -hmm. Because somewhere along the line, for you to have accepted that self-limiting belief, that lie, you found some, some evidence to support it and it's been anchored in your head and you don't look at life any other way. And what you just said there is find something to back up the case as if you're in a jury trying to say well let's have a look at it this guy's only been in real estate for three years and he's writing a million dollars so maybe it can be done Mm -hmm. um and, and and go through that exercise um so john it sounds like a pretty like a simple process but if it's that simple um why don't people do it yeah like I've seen you do, by the way, as you started talking it through, I've seen occasionally when you do a presentation, I'll see you for about 20 minutes, go through and do this exercise on a
1: whiteboard. Yeah, I, I, I call it peel the onion. So you, you know, what's the next excuse? You keep keep going down until you actually hear the truth. And when you get to the truth, so that, what is the real truth as to why you did 200 and not 600? It's going to sound something like, I don't think I'm actually good enough to do mm. 600. <coughs> which is sort of not the truth, but I actually hear that as your real truth at the moment. Um, You know, oh, look, I don't have enough time. I'm I'm disorganised. That's that's all rubbish because all that can be sorted out and prioritised.
0: But once you get... John, you like it. Once someone gets and they've peeled the onion to that point, you actually think
1: that's a breakthrough. Oh, it's huge. When when I hear that, I look at them, I say, thank you for being honest and courageous. Now we can deal with that and move through it. Because the reality is you are good enough to do 600, but that is the real... That's a real blockage in your artery, and, and we can move that too. So um, you know, I'm fearful. You know, John, I'll tell you, to be honest, I'm so scared of prospecting. Every time I pick up the phone, it's like a brick. I get that. Fair enough. We can move through that because yeah. what happens is you get rejected, you feel you're not good enough, you're not worthy, and you don't want to pick up the brick because you're going to get another rejection. So let's start shifting that around and realize that no is not bad, it's clarity there are benefits of that it's it's one step closer to you yes and in this industry we have to be able to deal with that thing called rejection so you know you just you just see it as a new skill that you're bringing into your repertoire
0: john i did a video with matt Lahood on thursday i said to him matt from day one to today what is the number one quality you've seen these because I, I couldn't get over it. he said to me tom there's you know up to around 50 people in McGrath's that write over a million bucks a year. It goes, it's not like... um, Over 70 now, but yeah. Right. Okay. Um, He may have been making reference to the company-owned offices, right? And I said, what is the number one? Troy and I could not get over it. He answered it without hesitating. He was clear. He said, "Um, they're not scared of rejection. Yeah.
1: Yeah, good. I'd add belief to that. Belief and no fear. Yeah. That, that what a powerful and potent combination. If you have belief in yourself and no fear, even if you lack um, skills, you'll still get there. Because you know people will compensate for that. But if you if you are fearful of rejection and you don't have belief that you can do it, you'll find plenty of reasons that, that you're not going to achieve your goals. The belief part of it's actually interesting because we did a coaching session only last week, John, mm. with one of the the new team members that have come on from from some of our offices, and we were saying. Tell me what belief actually is. And, John, you came up yeah. with a great line that was... Good uh, definition. Yeah, a Remind me what it was. Yep. Belief <laughs> is certainty in the absence or lack of evidence. Yeah, that's right. Pretty yeah. powerful. Yeah. So when you've done something, Tom, what yeah. that meant was, when you've done something, it's kind of easy to have a belief because you've done it, Yeah. whatever it is, whether it's a physical achievement or whatever. When you haven't done it, you actually have to have that same level of certainty without the evidence that, you've, that you can do it. yeah, That's where belief comes in. So that's why I spread ideas and I spread case studies and I tell people about what someone in another office has just done. And that's, by the way, why we do this podcast. Because this podcast should be giving people belief and certainty around events and outcomes they have not possibly yet achieved, but they're capable of. Yeah. So that's one of the th- reasons that we do
0: this. Yeah, well, I think the fact that science has the concept of placebo, which is that um, when they do a clinical trial, that they will not tell people that um, that are on the trial whether they're on the drugs or not because they believe that the belief mindset will affect the rate of recovery. And the reason they do that is they want to work out the empirical evidence of how um, strong the medication is is because of belief. They simply have got science to prove that if you believe you will get better, it affects the results. So John, I think if it means that it changes the biochemistry of your body, what does it mean to someone that walks in with a belief that they're gonna get that listing or that they're gonna conduct a good auction or that they're gonna get a positive response from the proactive uh, lead generation work? Just everything that you do will flow differently if you believe optimistically than pessimistically.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, well said.
0: So, gang, thank you so much. Troy Malcolm, good to see you. That I've got to tell you, you wear that blue suit the same way John McGrath wore <laughs> his suit on Shark Tank. Now, John, on Shark Tank,
1: there you wore... Are. There you go. That's a,
0: Taylor. No, that's, no, a me. Me.
1: <laughs> that's a compliment to me. That's a compliment to me. You're right. He does too. White shirt. What he white, do? And, 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 John, you wore that same outfit for every show, didn't you? Had to because we never knew when they were going to kind of you know, chop and change and move sort of segments around.
0: Okay, John, quick question. Did you pay for that suit? No. Troy, did you pay for your suit? Yes. Okay, <laughs> on that <laughs> note, we'll go. One <laughs> guy gets dressed, <laughs> the other guy buys his suit. See you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye,